Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. A woman in Mexico, true story, found some pictures of her husband with a younger woman. And she was enraged with his cheating, so she stabbed him with a knife. And I don't know how this all went down, but as she's stabbing him, he somehow stops her and says, honey, those are pictures of you and me when we were younger. No application. Come to see Jim Neal a few weeks. He'll give you the interpretation. You can apply it as you like until then. <laughs> Isn't that a great Valentine's Day story? <laughs> as we think about Valentine's Day, it just so happens that the passage this morning uh, can point to love and marriage and longevity and perseverance in marriage. But we're also going to see those things that can disrupt love, can disrupt holiness, can disrupt walking with the Lord, and that has to do with lust and divorce. I have seen during this pandemic an increase in immorality big time. The Going to pornography on the internet has skyrocketed during the pandemic, and I have also seen personally that those pursuing a divorce has increased during this pandemic. And as I speak to you this morning, as I speak to those of you who are listening, you may think, well, that lust is something for the younger generation, not for the older generation. And, and I don't buy that nor believe that. This past week, you may have noticed there was a report put out by Ravi Zacharias Ministries that Ravi Zacharias had a history, years, decades of covering up sexual morality and sexual abuse. Years, all the way until his older years, until he passed away. And just to think that someone who's preaching the word of God and has this platform, written books that you probably have in your home, and all during that time he is concealing and covering up immorality. And it leads me to believe that that could be the case in this church right now. And I would hate that. I would hate that for you. Can you imagine leading a life, a double life of concealing and covering up immorality? You die and you meet the Lord. Jesus is very serious when he speaks this morning. He's speaking not just to those 2,000 years ago, but to us today. Guarantee you, these words apply to you and to me. So let's just jump right in the Sermon on the Mount and see what Jesus has to say about our intimate lives. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 27. 
you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. What's from the Old Testament, and that's what the religious leaders of the day would teach the seventh commandment forbidding adultery. It's not that the base teaching alone, do not commit adultery, is wrong. Obviously, physical adultery is a violation of the commandment. But the reason why that these teachers would teach this was to make a cover-up for something that was going on in their heart. It was a cover-up for the lust in their hearts that they thought was no big deal as long as they did not commit physical adultery. Well, look what Jesus has to say to that in verse 28. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The ESV translation spells out the specifics of this looking. Everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent The intent of looking is lusting. It's a looking to look sexually. Now, now I think this can save a lot of you from undue guilt. So if a man notices an attractive woman, he does not need to repent. If a woman notices an attractive man, she does not need to repent. Uh, It's been said this way, that it's natural for humans to have this spark of attraction. It's built in. That's how you probably got married, right? So if a spark of attraction happens and you're single, you can pursue that spark in a godly way and and see what happens in leading to marriage. But if you're already married and that spark of attraction happens, you got to say, okay, there it is. I'm moving on. But when you do not move on, when that spark happens, then that spark can turn into a blaze. And it is that looking to look sexually, that looking for lusting with an intent of lusting, that's what Jesus is getting at. And if you notice, it's it's a combination of the seventh and the tenth commandment. It's not just the adultery piece, it's the coveting piece, right? Because it's something that is, that is happening internally. It's, it's looking upon another in order to have them in like your, your mental fantasy. And Jesus calls it adultery of the heart. And sometimes mental adultery can lead to physical adultery. You can think of King David lusting after Bathsheba before the physical act of adultery. But but many don't have the authority of King David or you would carry out many of your mental lusting. But whether it's, it's mental lusting or physical adultery, it is still adultery in the heart. And I think this is important. Before I move on, I want to say this one thing. We tend to think, uh, well, I have seen this. I have seen this. We tend to think that adultery is just something that's physical that happens in the heart. But, but somehow, I've noticed over the years that the, there can be like this relational adultery that can happen between men and women where there is this relational thing going on that turns into mental adultery and physical adultery. And it's like this connection for friendship and intimacy gets, gets perverted. 
And, and you, you think, well, that's just women. Women just kind of get emotionally involved with men that way. But I think it goes both ways. I want you to listen to this quote from this man. He said this, if a new woman finds my conversation fascinating, my skills and strengths admirable, and my presence exciting, while my wife, who once did also, now take them for granted, I may be more susceptible to temptation than I believed possible. So it's not just this visual stimulation. It also can be this relational enticements that can draw you into this mental and emotional adultery. And let's just go ahead and just be straight up here, okay? Every single one of us has committed adultery. Whether it is physical or mental or whatever you want to call it. And if it wasn't for the cross and blood of Jesus Christ, we would stand condemned. But it's on Christ your adultery went. And the wrath of the Father was on him and not on you. And so we can sit here this morning and rejoice in forgiveness and grace. But we can also rejoice in, get this, victory. Because I believe, many people don't believe this, but I believe there can be victory from a vicious cycle of lust. That may sound crazy. I've worked with college students for 20 plus years. And the majority of their in are into some type of sexual morality. Mass amount of guys are into pornography. Massive amounts. I was talking to my daughter on college campus. She's like, she's like Dad, most of the guys are into pornography. So if you have a guy who's walking with the Lord who's not in pornography, that is a rare thing. And as I would meet with these guys and meet with these girls who also have struggles, I would say, look, you can have victory. And they would think that is absolutely impossible. And I would say, hey, that's my testimony. And I've seen it many times over. There can be victory from the vicious cycle of lust. And Jesus tells us how. What we're about to see is something called a transforming initiative. That means that Jesus is going to tell us to do something that can actually change our hearts and give us victory. Last week, we saw victory from the vicious cycle of anger. And how do we get victory? We go to someone we're angry with, someone we've hurt. The the initiative is in the going. As we go to reconcile, we find our hearts softening and changing toward them. Well, Jesus is going to give a transforming initiative this morning. He's going to call us to do something. Look at verse 29. Verse 29. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it away from you. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus' argument is from lesser to greater. It'd be better to tear out your eye than causes you to lust than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. It'd be better to cut off your hand that would make you out and grab that which is forbidden rather than the whole body to go into hell. Now you may think, well, is Jesus calling for actual self-mutilation? And I don't think he is, and here's why. 
you can poke out both your eyes and still lust in your heart, (laughs) right? You can still lust in your heart. So what I think he's getting at here is that we must take drastic measures to resist sexual morality. We need to poke out, cut off venues of sin, whether they be inappropriate relationships, questionable practices, or anything that's a source of temptation. And we say, well, yeah, but isn't walking with the Lord kind of this inside-out renovation of the heart? Absolutely. But God's inside-out renovation means that we actually do stuff. We do stuff. We're a part of that transformation. And so we need to look for those immoral triggers in our lives and we need to get aggressive and poking them out and, and cutting them off. I mean, you can think about some things. I've, I've met with some guys and they'll say, you know, I'm really into pornography and I got these internet filters on my computer, but I kind of work around them and things. I'm like, dude, if you're serious about this, rather than putting filters on your computer, you need to just get rid of your computer. Like, how serious are you? Well, you know, I can't go without a phone. Have you ever heard of a flip phone? Maybe you need to get a flip phone. How serious are you? And people say, well, I'll try not to watch these inappropriate shows on TV, but I get to, do you really need a TV? And you think about, are you going to be serious following Jesus? People tell me, well, you know, I mean, I just can't not lust when I go to the club. I'm like, are you serious? Do not go to the club. You can take these drastic measures to cut off these triggers. And you say, yeah, but you can't cut off everything. Sometimes you're going to be caught off guard. And that's right. And so what happens when you're caught off guard? That's when your running shoes come into play. The Bible says in Corinthians, right? Flee sexual morality. Flee, run. Do you remember what was going on with Joseph when Potiphar's wife was after him? He had his running shoes on. He's fleeing. We need to be those people who flee those situations that will catch us off guard. Where we always have our shoes on, we're ready to flee because we want to walk with the Lord. And it's interesting to think, well, you know, that's mainly just for like college students or people in their 20s. No, no. As your age, you still need to flee and make these commitments. Think about Job. You ever heard of Job? Job is married. He has a lot of kids. And he says this specifically in Job 31.1. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. <laughs> but Job, you're married. You have all these kids. How could you possibly be even tipped? No, no, it's a covenant I've made with my eyes. I'm not going to go there. And I believe that what can help you and what can help me is that we need to be in each other's lives. And I've noticed that when Christians are trying to hold each other accountable, they can either be too lenient or too strict. So you can have these accountability groups where people are sharing way too much. And everybody's just letting them slide. Oh, it's no big deal. We're all forgiven in the grace of God. And then you have these other things like, oh, you're going to hell right now. 
Very, very strict, pharisaical. But you know what? We need to be about the gospel. The gospel says, yeah, there is forgiveness in the cross of Jesus Christ. And there is also a call to holiness. And we need to tell one another, don't be messing around. Don't be playing around. You truly follow Christ. You follow Christ. You slip, you mess up. There's forgiveness and grace. So we don't want to be too lenient, too rigid. We want to be perfect down the middle of gospel-centered. We are forgiveness in the cross, and we're called to a life of holiness. And along with this, I've got to say one more thing, because I've got to say this. You may think that I'm making this up. I, I promise you it's in the word. If there is a persistence in sexual sin and a lack of true repentance, then we must take Jesus' warning seriously. Did you notice what he said in verses 29 and 30? That it is better to poke out the eye than to be thrown into hell. It is better to cut off parts of your body than to be thrown into hell. If you are a believer, as you read these things in the Bible, do not think they do not apply to you. Because when Jesus or the Apostle Paul or the book of Hebrews or Revelation gives these warnings, believers pay attention to warnings. It's just like when I drive down to Russville, Highway 7, or to Harrison, Highway 7. There are signs that, that say, you better slow down. There's a curve coming up. If you don't slow down, you're going to go off and die. Your car's going to blow up and everything. When I'm coming around that curve... I pay attention to the sign. I don't think, oh no, I'm gonna go off the road. I slow down, I make it around. That's what the warnings are for here. Believers respond to the warnings. God has put them there as a means to your sanctification and your growth. I remember when I was helping this one guy, a man, a former elder in the church, not this church, another church I was at, walk with the Lord, come out of a life of not only adultery and immorality, but a life of being with a variety of prostitutes. And when I got to talk to him, I said, you know, what is it that really woke you up? And he said, it was the warning of hell. Believers pay attention to the warnings. And I say to you, and I say to anybody, if you're in unrepentant sexual morality with no desire to change, I fear for you. I don't care what aisle you walked. I don't care if you're a preacher. If you are in unrepentant sexual morality with no desire to change, I fear for you. The warnings are there for a reason, to wake you up. Now, the next part I'm not going to spend long on because I preached a whole sermon on divorce about three months ago. You can go back and listen to it in Malachi. Remember, God hates divorce. But you may wonder, why does Jesus tie in divorce with lust? Well, because lust can often lead to divorce and what we're going to see is that divorce can often lead to adultery, right? What? We always think of adultery leads to divorce, but how can divorce lead to adultery? Well, Jesus is going to put this all together. 
So let's see what he has to say. Let's see what Jesus has to say. Look at verse 31. It was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. This is a reference to Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4, which was originally a backup plan in case a divorce happened. The Old Testament did not condone divorce, but simply made a provision of protection, mainly for the woman, if a divorce happened. And the leaders of Jesus' day turned this passage into a debate over the grounds for divorce because it mentions that a man divorced his wife because he found some indecency in her. So here's kind of how the arguments went. A man can divorce a wife if he found indecency in her. And that indecency could be defined as immorality, immodesty of having her hair down outside, burning the food, or if the man found a better deal. So the Pharisees turned a teaching that was a worst case scenario backup plan into a teaching on how to get out of a marriage. So R.T. France says that their teaching standards, get this, were based upon the assumption of failure rather than God's original tent of lifelong marriage. They weren't to read the Old Testament and see the passage promoting divorce, but see it as an emergency, a, a contingency in case something terrible happened. And Jesus is like, guys, once again, you're missing the point. Verse 32, but I say to you, everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. The intent of marriage is one man and one woman for life. God's revealed will in the scripture says that divorce is not his will and neither is remarriage his will. The explanation given is that if a man divorces a woman, then he makes her commit adultery when she marries another man. So why is it adultery? So they get divorced, she marries someone else. You say, well, why is it adultery? Well, because in God's eyes, she is still married to her original husband. And the same goes for someone who marries a divorced woman. They commit adultery. And you say, well, why? Because in God's eyes, she is still married to her original husband. And you think, oh, Pastor Jason, you can't preach this. The village is full of divorced people. Ah, you can't preach this. Our church is filled with divorced people. You can't say that. We'll get to that in a moment. But I want to tell you this. I'm just telling you what Jesus says. You want me to start making stuff up? All right, we're going to get there in a moment, but he's just saying it. I'm just telling you what he said. The only allowance for divorce in this context is for sexual morality, which would be adultery, uh, and I think would also other forms of sexual sin. And, and divorce is never required 
when adultery happens, um, but it is allowed if persistent, unrepentant sexual sin. Now, the Apostle Paul gives another uh, exception when uh, an unbeliever deserts the spouse. And in those situations, remarriage doesn't seem to be forbidden. But it's interesting. What if I start talking to you about all the exceptions on how to get out of divorce? Wouldn't I sound like a Pharisee? Because that's what they're doing. That's not the point of the passage. The point of the passage is that God's kingdom standard is one man and one woman for life. That's it. However, we do know in this fallen world, there is sin and brokenness that has affected all of our lives. And if you have had a non-biblical divorce and now you are remarried, you are not living in perpetual adultery. Because then you would have to divorce your current spouse to get out of that if it was perpetual adultery. But I would say this. Yes, adultery did occur. And for that, there needs to be repentance, going to the cross, forgiveness and grace. But I wouldn't say that it is perpetual adultery. You see, it's very important for the church to be serious about the permanence of marriage. And you say, well, why? Well, because in the Old Testament, the picture is Israel and God. In the New Testament, it's Christ and the church that that shows us this beautiful picture which marriage points to. And marriage must display this covenant faithfulness because the Father is faithful to Israel and Christ is faithful to his church. And, And the marriage relationship points to that right relationship we have with God. And so some of you right now during this pandemic are spending more time with your spouse than you would have probably have chosen. In fact, some people during the pandemic can see all the people dying, right? And they can examine their lives and they say, you know what? I'm unhappy living with this person. I'm going to divorce them and go find happiness. And I would say, don't do it. Marriage is hard. And something that may seem like a mess right now, by God's grace, 10 years from now, could be turned around. And some of you could stand up and tell me your story. And I realize that some of you are in a very difficult situation right now. And I want to tell you, if you're in a challenging marriage right now, we are here to help. Of course, we're going to do a marriage class. I encourage you to come to that. But we are here to meet with you. We are here to help you go see counselors for you, for your spouse, for the two of you together. We are here to bend over backwards to help you in your marriage, to encourage you, so that you can persevere. And for those of you who are struggling with lust and you want to get out of this cycle, we're here for you as well to meet with you, to encourage you, maybe to refer you to a counselor and help you walk through that. We're here in your small group, but here's the deal. We're not going to know any of this stuff unless you tell us. Your small group's not going to know your marriage is a mess unless you tell them. 
we're not going to know the stuff you're into unless you tell someone else in the church. If you want freedom from the cycle you've been in, you've got to confess your sins to your brothers and sisters as well so that we can walk with you and encourage you. And what we not, this is what we don't need to do. We can't play games. We can't conceal and cover up our sin. Because when we conceal and cover up our sin, there's no forgiveness and there's no freedom. But when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And all this happens in a place of community. It's a safe place here to talk about these things. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. It's a safe place to still grow and to be sanctified and to have freedom. Freedom to walk with the Lord in the grace of Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.